This episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast is brought to you by the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Subscribe to the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform for the newest episodes of the Data Lab with Professor John Bush and Dennis Mickelson, as well as new episodes every week of Card Subject to Change, our new wrestling podcast with CZ and Nick. And three times a week, releasing episodes on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays, the Educated Ignorance Podcast. On Mondays, you will get full breakdowns of the Sunday night football game, as well as a couple quick-hitting topics from some of the NFL action on Sunday. Tuesday will be a quick-hitting reaction of the Monday night football game, as well as a full slate review of the Sunday games, the biggest and broadest topics from the weekend of football, as well as some college football stuff. And, of course, that Tuesday will be the Elite Eight episode each week for the NFL season, where we reveal the top eight teams, according to myself in the NFL. And then on Friday, we will be releasing each week a big kind of preview for the weekend's games coming up, as well as the Sinister Six podcast every week with Mac. Fulton, he will be joining us every week for the Sinister Six uh, joint venture of NFL games and college games throughout the year. Our best big, our best six picks of the weeks. We will also have some betting stuff in there as well against the spread, over unders, things like that. So stay tuned for those three episodes a week of the Educated Ignorance Podcast here on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. We're also brought to you by Clint's Draft House and Cavanaugh's. Those are our two main sponsors for the Sunday show, which I will probably be on for the entirety of it. I don't know. Um, the goal is for me to try to be up to watch the entirety of the Packers-Giants game um, Sunday, and then, or at least the beginning of it, until I get on the show, and then also incorporated in that... Um, I know I'll be on it regardless, but, you know, it's going to be a full day Sunday. It's going to be a weird weekend. We're going to try to get as much. We're going to try to get in when, where we fit in this weekend. So, uh, also, too, we are uh, reminding you that next week, the uh, on Card Subject to Change, the boys are getting extreme as uh, Nick and CD give their thoughts on the WWE's Extreme Rules pay-per-view. They got the lowdown on the most extreme event of the year from the Four Frequency Sake podcast network. Uh, you can subscribe to, to the uh, to Four Frequency Sake for new episodes of Educated Ignorance, of course, the Data Lab, Card Subject Exchange, and all of the great podcast content. Um, that will be this week again. They will be on there breaking down. I believe this weekend is that show, so they will be there. Um, they will be there for all of that good stuff. Uh, on this episode, we're of course got the new Sinister Six. A bit of a different process this week, but I like it. I like it a lot. I'm excited for it. Uh, I really think this is going to be something that is highbrow, high level. How we're putting it together this week. Also, going to talk a little bit, maybe five, ten minutes tops on the Thursday night game. Didn't get to watch too too much of it, but I got some thoughts. We'll have that here in a moment. So. I think that's everything. Some housekeeping done. Sit back, relax, buckle up, and let's have at it, folks.
So I just want to briefly touch on the Thursday night game. I didn't get to watch too much, mainly the end. But hey, some some we just need a little bit of analysis sometimes, right? So listen, I just kind of want to talk big picture here. And when you look at both of these group teams now, it's kind of different. When you first look at Denver, there's so many things that are messed up. You go back to the offseason, you know, what has – you're asking yourself if you're a Broncos fan, you're asking yourself if you're this organization, what's missing? Why can't we get over the hump? We've drafted well. We've drafted extremely well. We've drafted good corners, drafted good defensive players, good off – like, look at their the majority of their roster, draft picks. Garrett Bowles, left tackle, went from terrible to all-pro level. They draft Cortland Sutton, middle round, mid-round wide receiver. He's their number one option, one of the better ones in the league. Defensively, they draft Bradley Chubb, top five, or top ten. He's great. Patrick Tertain, top ten. Jonathan Simmons, maybe, again, the most underrated player in the league. They've got all their linebackers through the draft. They've been good, like guys like Josie Jewell. Defensive linemen. I mean, they went out this offseason and went and got guys like Randy Gregory, but they've gone through and done a great job at getting guys that are high level. And other guys on the offense, Jerry Judy, G, Jerry Judy turned himself into a solid player. K.J. Hamler has work, but it's a solid slot option. Javante Williams. Now, I know he's done for the year, but, I mean, Hopefully, future in this league comes back healthy. He's one of the better backs in the NFL. Was last year. Was, I mean, he has that talent level. Just sucks that he's out for the year now. But the one thing they could never get right was the quarterback position. Now, a lot of people, maybe me included, eh, not really, arguing the fact over a couple years ago when they had the ninth pick, that was the time the rumor came out that Aaron Rodgers was out and everyone thought the Broncos were in on trading for him and they were going to trade that ninth overall pick in the year 2020. They didn't. They selected Patrick Sertain with it. They didn't trade for Aaron Rodgers. They went on. Biggest problem has been they've tried at quarterback and they've never hit. They, uh, brought, after Peyton Manning came, they had, you know, it felt like they were set. Before that, they had Tim Tebow. Well, eh, not good. Manning takes Tebow's job. They go to a Super Bowl his first year. Well, ain't this pretty neat? They have a couple disappointments in the playoffs, but regardless, this is a team that does thrive and win a lot of games, and of course, his last season doesn't pan out. In that last season beforehand, they draft Brock Osweiler. He was supposed to, remember Brock Osweiler? He was supposed to be their, their the replacement, the backup plan. That didn't really work out, did it? And ever since then, the Broncos have just continuously swung and missed at quarterback. How fascinating. One of the greatest quarterbacks ever, John Elway, who was a part of the greatest draft class ever for quarterbacks. When you think of and the most game-changing, at least in the NFL, you can honestly say, not to the extent of saving the league like these other, like the former here did, but Bird and Magic, equivalently in that same type of way, coming in to the into the NBA together, were the exact same way that Marino and Elway came in together side by side. Now, it's different. The NBA was a tanking league, and they needed star power to save it, and that's what Bird and Magic did. They saved the NBA. Read the books, folks. It's true. 
Was the NFL a sinking league? No, but it wasn't as big. And then, obviously, you have Marino and Elway come in. You have superstar quarterback plays. Obviously, it had never touched to what it is now, but they were the first two superstar elite quarterbacks that were bigger than their teams. It, it was those two, and especially the way it was circulated around draft. But the craziest thing is John Elway. How could he, of all people, be the guy they can't figure out the quarterback position. They swing and miss big on Brock Osweiler. They swing and miss big on Paxton Lynch. Remember him? That was fun. Memphis kid. They swing and miss on Drew Locke. They go after Teddy Bridgewater. They have other guys sprinkled in here or there. No one can figure it out. The Broncos can never get it right at quarterback. They've been a quarterback away for so long. So it's easy to say, how can you make the mistake? And how could you even call going to get a guy like Russell Wilson a mistake? Enter Mr. Quote-Unquote Unlimited. We'll get to that. All in all, it's honestly, at the, it's still, it was a smart move. I would have done it. They were quarterback away. They tried the Aaron Rodgers thing. They tried to dip their toe in it. They didn't do it. Packers wouldn't trade him. Rodgers obviously just kind of wanted to leverage Green Bay for more money. There was really nobody else for them to go get. Did they make the right decision in drafting Sertain over a guy like a Justin Fields at that ninth pick? Maybe. Maybe. That's a different topic for a different day. But at the end of the day, this Broncos roster was loaded, and they fire their head coach in Vic Fangio, who mingled around 500, and you can argue, was it his fault? Was it just the fact that they didn't have a good quarterback? Who knows? They hire Nathaniel Hackett. They get Russell Wilson. And here come the Denver Broncos. Everyone's thinking that they're an AFC West title contender. Everyone thinks they can win the AFC. People are thinking they could go to the Super Bowl. Hasn't looked good so far, has it, boys and girls? It hasn't. So how can you call it a mistake when if doing if what if when brought to it again, the Broncos would probably do it? Well, it's tough. Because at the end of the day, the results are what matters. And right now for Denver. The results aren't good enough, and how, I don't know when and how they get better. Their running game isn't going to be better because they lost their best running back. Melvin Gordon's fine, but him getting the brute carries in the year 2022 is just not going to cut it. Russell Wilson, it'd be different if Russell Wilson was playing well and the defense was the issue. Problem is their defense has been one of the best defenses in the league this year so far. They have, they have a lot of talent. They have two elite-level edge rushers in Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. They've got an elite secondary with Sertain and Simmons and company. This is a defense that is going to put up gaudy numbers, and they did again tonight, granted, against a limited offense in Indianapolis without Jonathan Taylor. But this is a game they should have won 20 times out of 20, 100 times out of 100, maybe a million times out of a million. There's no reason why the Denver Broncos lose this game tonight. And at the end of the day, once again, it seems like they missed on a quarterback. And is this Elway's fault? I don't think so. I mean, what can he do? Again, I would have done it too. Everyone would have done it. It made so much sense. You're a quarterback away. Russell Wilson is still a guy you believe at least is in the top half of the league. That's the problem, though. He's not right now. You could name 20 quarterbacks at least having a better season than him to this day. That's crazy. That is absolutely mind-boggling. He has been awful. And there's just a couple plays tonight that capsulate it. And, of course, you already know the two plays I'm talking about. 
Now, the first one is a problem with their head coach as well because why you put your team in this situation. But at the end of the day, quarterback's got to make a better read and a better throw. First off, it's third and four from about the 15 or so yard line with two minutes and 20 seconds left. You run the ball, pick up the first down, game over. You throw the ball in this situation. A lot is left up to chance. But regardless, even if you don't pick up the first down, even if you don't get it, and you get the field goal and you go up six, your defense has played well all night. Are they? Are you guys going to go and give up a touchdown then? I don't think so. But that's neither here nor there. What happens next is unacceptable. They run a play action. I'm okay. I'm okay with them throwing the football. It's the wrong play call. But I understand absolutely. Now, granted, here's the thing. You, I would much rather, in that situation, understand the situation of how the game has been. Just run it. You pick up the first down all fantastic if you don't you settle for three go up six now your defense is good as long as you don't give up a touchdown which you haven't given up anything close to that all night the two mind you the two field goals the Colts hit 52 and 51 yarders before that final drive where they actually had some success boy oh boy Russell Wilson goes back shoulder to tie backs back side of the formation to Tyree Cleveland who a runs a terrible route B is one-on-one with Stephon Gilmore, more on him in a moment, and C underthrows it, Gilmore undercuts the ball and picks it off, and now the rest is history. First off, there's no reason that should have been the play call. I think, again, probably should just run the ball, though I don't mind I don't mind them going to throw it. Because if you, I mean, touchdown there, ball game, see you later. Two. How on earth is that your read? Now, a couple things. First off, you have crossers in the middle, and you have the backside post slash slant. The throw isn't good. The route also isn't good. I will give Russ some credit on this. But you no-look to turn and read it in that situation. It's just not good enough. But also a heck of a play made by Gilly. Good job by him. Let's move to the final play of the game. You're down 12-9. to you're driving your best drive probably of the game. It's third down and two. By the way, you talk about how football is a team sport. Every play matters. Here's why. They get down inside the 15. First down, a run of about three. Second down, gaping hole. Gordon cuts it back. Fucking curtains. Alleyway to the end zone. Stairway to heaven. Walk off. See you later. One guy to beat. Gordon doesn't have the room to shake him and go to the outside, so he kind of has to go over him, but also he gets cut off late. If that guy misses that tackle, ball game. But guess what happens? Third down and two, they run and get stuffed. And fourth down and one, they don't get it and the Colts win the game. You show that to kids in college and in high school why every play matters. That dude in the open space could have had a lazy effort made the excuse, why didn't anybody else pick it up? I'm a safety, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Just dumb stuff. If he does not make that play on second, a play he makes on second down affects them winning or losing the game two plays later. That's why it's a beautiful sport. Now, on to the fourth down play. Look, man, Nathaniel Hackett has not been good. But he called the right play here. 
At the end of the day, we have to stop babying these players that get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. Now, I'm not one of those one of those people that are like, oh, the players shouldn't be paid that much, blah, 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 woo, 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 but, but if you make that much money and you don't play to the level you're supposed to, I think you're open to be criticized. I also believe that, you know, you do what you do, and if you can't, it's like if you can't take the heat, don't get in the kitchen type of thing. You know what I mean? I've also hated the, oh, well, we don't go to your jobs and whatever. All right, well, if you don't want fans to interact and have opinions, you wouldn't be making so much money anyway. But that's a different story here nor there, and it's dumb and stupid. Regardless, we can't just let what happened off the hook. And as much as it's easy to bury Hackett because he's the punching bag right now. And yes, they hired the wrong coach. Through five games, it's obvious. But this is on Russ. They run the perfect rub route combination to the top of the field. That is Jerry Judy in the slot. If you're watching on Amazon Prime on television, they are going from right to left on your screen. On the top of the field. To the right of the formation, they have Jerry Judy in the slot. He is the inside receiver. They have K.J. Hamler outside. He is the receiver to the outside of the numbers to the right, deep right. Farthest to the right of the formation. A rub concept is when two receivers in that situation kind of cross paths to set an inadvertent pick on the defender. Now, if if you don't do a good enough job at it, you end up getting called for pass interference. But if you do it in a way where it's clear you're not trying to intentionally run over a guy, you can get away with it, and it's part of the game. Part of the game. The Colts don't pick this up at all. They don't switch the coverage. They don't zone it up. They're playing man-to-man. Judy runs a perfect rub route. Hamler stutters at the beginning and cuts underneath it for the slant, and he is wide fucking open. Wide open. And Russ doesn't even fucking look his way. Instead, he looks backside to the left of the formation. What's back there? Joe, let me, uh, we need to ask you this question. Obviously, something better. Oh, baby, it was something. To the left of the formation or the bottom of the screen, they have a tight end, and they have Cortland Sutton one-on-one with Stephon Gilmore. The same Stephon Gilmore who made that great play earlier in the game. There's no route combination. There's nothing. It's not a fade. They're in man. Russ, if Russ couldn't tell that was man, I don't don't know what you're doing there, bud. In that situation on the goal line, the corners are all going to be manned up on the receivers. He knows this. I know this. A seven-year-old that is smart enough would know this. Okay. They don't call a fade or anything, but you don't have to worry about that because the perfect play call on the front side of the formation is there. It's right there. And he doesn't even look. Instead, he eyeballs Jerry. He eyeballs Sutton the entire way. He pretty much runs a dig. He goes to the back of the end zone and then starts cutting across the middle of the field. It's Gilmore is carrying him the whole way. The entire second level of the defense, linebackers and a couple safe, a couple other DBs are standing there, kind of zoning and walling off the end zone. There's no lane. The like I will say, Russ kind of side and kind of threw a sidearm pass to get it there, but. 
Gilmore was all over him. There's no reason that pass should have went there in the first place. The fact that it did is asinine. Asinine. You've been in the league since 2010, 2011, 2012. Almost or over a decade. You can't be this ignorant. Are you scared because you threw a pick in the Super Bowl on a play like that? Like, why? Someone, I don't care who it is, someone, some media person, a coach, a teammate has to ask him, why the fuck didn't you throw that pass? They called the perfect play. It was ran to perfection. Hamler sold it, stuttered at the line. When Judy crossed his face, he cut under. He was wide open. Wide open. The Colts had no chance to stop it. Russ could have punted it to him like a little boop, little pooch kick right to him, and it would have been caught. I cannot believe that they missed it. I saw it instantly. Instantly I saw it, like live. I didn't have to go back and look or anything. I've, I was thinking, like, eh, maybe it wasn't there, maybe someone underneath. But then they showed the tight angle, and there was, a like, the window. I can't believe it. I cannot believe that he didn't throw that ball. So at the end of the day, the Broncos have to look in the mirror and realize this is what they're now in bed with. They are in bed with a quarterback that is past his prime. He is out of touch. His teammates don't like him. Future or uh, past and maybe not current. You have a roster that, let's be real, is legitimately playoff contending, AFC title contending, Super Bowl contending level. You are quarterback away. You have been a quarterback away for half a decade. And even when you felt like you got it, you missed again by a mile. And this one's the worst. Because it's not just the fact that you it was it's not that you missed on a guy because he was too bad or wasn't what you thought it would be. It's you got him and then you got engaged and married to him for five years at a quarter of a billion dollars. $50 million a clip per season. What a travesty for Denver. And I don't know how it gets better. Does he all of a sudden wake up and figure it out? He hasn't played well for years. People want to act like this guy is the same dude that he was in 2018, 2019. He's just not, man. He's just not. It's not who he was. Maybe we are wrong for hoping he was. But at this point, it's over. And unless he figures it out, which I don't know if he has that in him, Broncos are in deep shit. Real quick, the Colts. Boy, oh boy, what a weird night. Your best player goes out. You look like shit for four quarters plus. You finally manage some drives to get in the range after you get a layup. And this is why the NFL is so great because this team was it was, should have been 1-3-1. and one. Your season is dead to rights in an AFC that's loaded. And now you're tied for the division lead again. At worst, if Jacksonville wins on Sunday, you're either tied for second or you're in, you know, technically third, a half game back of first. And... Maybe this team can figure it out. This team has a lot of issues, though. 
O-line play has been horrendous. They can't get any time. They weren't able to run the ball well tonight at all. I like some of their weapons. They're not eye-popping, but I think Pierce is good. I think Michael Pittman's really good. Jonathan Taylor is a fantastic back, and Matt, the problem is Matt Ryan is cooked. And here's the thing for the Colts, man. Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, they gotta be they got to be put on the block, man. Reich has not navigated well through early parts of seasons over the last few years. And Chris Ballard has made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. Listen, when Phillip Rivers at age 38, 39, whatever he was, is your best quarterback decision you've made in the last you know, half decade since Andrew Luck retired, that's, prob- that's a problem. But they continuously goof stuff up, and the media loves Chris Ballard, so they're going to they're, no one's going to talk about this. Ballard is friends with all the right people in the media, guys like Cowherd. Guys, I don't know about Nick Wright, but he's, he's in deep with a lot of media talking heads that are smart. So no one's going to roast Chris Ballard for this, but man, oh man, that boy's dodging a lot of bullets. Because here's the thing, the Colts, the Colts stepped out of the way of the train tonight, but they're still in deep shit. But 2-2-2 two, two and two is a lot better, or 2-2-1 two, two and one, is a lot better than what Denver is at two and three, and you feel like the world's coming down. If you're a Colts fan right now, you're probably thinking, "Holy shit, we stole one! Let's where's the champagne?" Because at the end of the day in this league, it's a win or lose game. It's week to week. One side's happy, the other side feels like the world is collapsing on them, and that's the beauty of the sport. Sinister Six next, Educated Ignorance Pod. With baseball playoffs right around the corner, over a month away, and the NFL and college football seasons right on our tail. It's the perfect time of year to get your daily fantasy sports life in order. For Frequency's sake has you covered every single week. Tune in to For Frequency Sake's DFS Deep Dive on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch every Friday evening and uploaded every Saturday morning on your favorite podcast platform where Brian and the boys will be giving you the best daily fantasy sports advice for each and every week to help you fatten your wallet this season. Again, on every Friday night live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch, and of course, uploaded on your favorite podcast platform on Saturday mornings, DFS Advice, DFS Deep Dive, here on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. All right, enough bullshit. Let's get real, son. It is time for the Sinister Six. Mac is in the house. We are coming off an okay week. Well, I, I don't know. I have 500, three, three and three. Mac had two and four because he foolishly backed a non-desperate NFL team. And that's okay. Mac, how you doing, bud? We're back here. We're ready to ride. We're gonna another day in paradise. We're gonna flip the game on its head a little bit. Are you are you ready? Are you excited? Yeah, why not? Why not? I'm okay. I'm excited to try this out. I think this is going to be a great new staple. So we're switching the process up a little bit this week. The 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 process is going to be so we have 18 games that we're going to discuss in some order. We have nine from college and nine from NFL. We're going to dwindle it down to three from each potentially or Two from college, four from NFL. I don't know if we're going to be able to get... We might be able to get three college games. I think we can get at least two for sure. Um, But the goal is we're going to 
discuss and come out on the right side of all of these games. Um, as fun as it's, we, you know, we've had competition and stuff, but I want to see if we can put the good old brains together to see how good we can have for us to split the process up. And uh, I think we are set to have some fun. So um, we'll go through principle and all of that. The You know, our rules basically are respect each other's sides, be willing to have your opinion changed, be open to having a changed opinion, etc. It's like a marriage almost, right? Except no one's part, no one's dying at the end of it or whatever. Isn't that how it goes? Who's dying? Well, they say till death do us part. So, like, I'm just saying, we don't have to like write it. No one's saying vows unless you want to say some vows. We've done this for a long time. Do you have any vows you want to say? No, I'm good. Okay. All right. So let's get to it. We have we're gonna start in the col with college, and then we are going to go pro. So first game up we have is Tennessee minus three at LSU. I look at this as a trap game because it is Tennessee. That is mainly the sense. They are in the trap game of the decade. Bryce Young is currently hurt. They play Alabama at home seven days from Saturday. Uh, the right side is probably Tennessee minus three, Mac. But I think the reason to not touch this is because maybe Tennessee isn't super trustworthy yet. This is kind of the proof to us you are trustworthy moment. And this is just trap game vibes, overlook vibes. What do you think? I honestly disagree. I don't I don't think that this is a game that Tennessee is gonna be overlooking at all. Um they are very well coached and I think talent wise they are the better team by far. LSU still has a lot of issues on both sides of the ball and I think Brian Kelly there is still trying to get his feet under him. Uh, get this team going. Mm -hmm. um, you have a Tennessee team led by Hayden um, Hendon Hooker, who is by far probably a top five quarterback, at least in college football right now. Uh, maybe a little bit higher. Um, just by on sheer performance. Uh, this dude's going to carry them. I think they're going to be well-positioned coming out of this game. Uh, with my, being minus three, it's, I feel like that's a no-brainer. Okay. So... If we did a side on this, it would be that, but we might not. Let's put it in the back burner. Next one, Utah at UCLA. What side are you on? Would you be on for this? I would stay with Utah here. Okay. Um, UC being that it is at UCLA, UCLA, again, has really no home field advantage. And Chip, I love Chip Kelly as a coach, and I love what DTR does there, but I think Cam Rising and company is just – they have more talent on both sides of the ball than what UCLA does. What? So this is the one where I put X's by because I feel like this is a stay away because numbers back the fact of it being close, but it's like three and a half. It's a weird spot um, to, to kind of take points. But though it's, it, is, it is a home dog, but again, there's pretty much no home field advantage. U, UCLA is the best running team right now in the Pac-12. They would probably be the only team in the Pac-12 that you could feel could physically match up with Utah. I believe that I, – I don't know if there is a right side. If this was under – if this was maybe under three, you could you could say Utah. 
but I think three and a half, you're you're crossing numbers that can get really scary. Um, though the college game, it's weird. Like I wonder if you throw, th- do you throw the 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 important numbers out in college? Like you like the NFL, you kind of have to go by the important numbers book, right? You know, three, six important numbers. Uh, eight's an important number. Ten's an important number. Thirteen, six, uh, thirteen, and then what? Seventeen. Those are all like important numbers in the NFL. I feel like the college book. You kind of just say screw it sometimes because spreads in college are so ridiculous, right? It's almost in the sense of college football that spreads don't really matter where they're at because, like for example, when you have like Ohio State playing a Purdue or somebody like that, it's usually twenty-five to twenty-six points. Or like last week with Alabama, Arkansas. Given that Alabama played the way they did and everything that happened, twenty points was still a lot of points. Mm-hmm. It's just like okay, it's just twenty. In college, Alabama's them. In college, if you take large bets, the danger is the back door. Because I mean, what a couple of weeks ago we were on opposite sides of of two bets. The week I went five and one, it was the BYU or no, excuse me, it was uh, Florida, Tennessee. And Tennessee never pulled away, so they left the back door open all game and Florida covered. And then Washington State, Oregon, which granted, Oregon, Washington State losing would have been a horrible beat, but they were able to backdoor cover on some dumb stuff at the end of the game. That's got to be your the, your most horrific one of the year because you hated picking Oregon the moment you did it, and you were on, you were on the wrong side all day, and then you were on the right side because of sheer luck, and then you lost regardless. Was That, that had to be just horrific. Uh, but that happened as part of the game. That's what the process is, though. Here, Mac. The new process is so we can live these together. All right, let's go to USC Wazoo, which I think we're on. What's I think we're on the same side. Who? What? Where are you leaning here? Okay, what was the line again? Third. Uh, it's at Washington State, and it's thirteen and a half. Yeah, Wazoo. Okay. I'm saying Wazoo here. Okay, uh, thirteen and a half. Just a lot of points. It is. I, and especially with USC's defense being as trash as it is this year, um, I expect mm. Wazoo. It's bad. It's bad. Is it though? It is. They're the only thing that's redeemable about USC's defense this year is that it's opportunistic. They and got that it. their secondary is really good though, and that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying like wa- they can't stop. They can't stop anything. Their run gate. They do not stop the run well, but they. They held up enough against Arizona State, and their defense is why they beat Oregon State. Their defense was great. Um, is it good enough to handle the top of the echelon teams? I don't know. They're going to have to outduel them points wise, but I don't think they have that. You know those attributes to beat top tier teams like if they made a playoff or like in a New Year's Six Bowl. But thirteen and a half is a lot. Though here's the thing. I think they got legit dudes in that secondary. They're long and quick. The thing that scares me here, even maybe it won't in a cover sense, but it can turn a 10-point game into a 17-point game, and all of a sudden you're not you're not within the number anymore. As fun as Cameron Ward is for Washington State, and as good as that offense can be, they make a lot of mistakes, and they turn the ball over a lot, and that could be dangerous for a team that has lived off turnovers this year on that defense for USC. You know you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but okay. So, USC secondary reminds me of what last year what Trayvon Diggs was for Dallas. The dude couldn't defend anything. 
But like when a ball came, a opportunity had the opportunity to pick it, he picked it off. That's it. Like they're gonna get their, they're gonna have their share of times that these guys are gonna get burnt, and it's gonna be ugly. Well, they get burnt, but they are also very instinctive, and they are in the right spot. I just, I, I it's one that I think I would be okay with us putting on here. Um, but I do believe it's something. Uh, those are just some points to note. Those are reasons why we could not, we could be out of the number, and that would make me feel. That would make me feel pretty, pretty bad. I'm trying to find this number and see if it's moved in our favor at all since yesterday for this next game. It is North Carolina, Miami, and it is still minus three and a half. So I'm on the North Carolina plus three and a half side. It was at four and a half, and I was like, oh, candy. It's still over three, so I think that's important. This could be a lower scoring game than because Miami's defense is solid, but. They got absolutely gashed a couple weeks ago by Middle Tennessee State. This UNC team loves taking shots, loves moving the ball. I feel like them and points should be really good. Is this like one we're really strong on? I think this is the one that we're going to agree on for sure. Okay. Um, So this is in. Yeah, Drake May has been, outside of like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young this year, this dude has been the real deal, and he's probably – Again, he's up there with Hooker as a top five quarterback this year. Dude has not made a mistake. He's been good. <clears throat> he was a little rough against Notre Dame, but that's the by far the best defense they played, and it will play all year unless they end up playing Clemson. <clears throat> but uh, but yeah. Um, okay, this one's going to be the next two are are going to be very interesting discussions. Um. Okay, we're going to put three stars or three check marks by this. We're going to put two check marks by this because we might have it on this one for sure. Um, This next one, Texas and Bama, or Texas A&M and Bama. Texas A&M is catching 24 on the road. I've thought about it. (sighs) I think we can't. I I don't think we can risk it. Hold on, hold on. What is this crap? What? Like, you're you're just throwing in games last minute now? We had this one. No, it was not. It's on the list I sent you via picture. One of the ones that we went through in our chat, it was not on there. So, I never sent this to you? Mm-hmm. No, like the games that we were talking about yesterday. Yeah. Like, one after I sent you, you added UNC, which I was like, okay. But then like I gave you like Maryland and all those. Yeah. Games, and I don't, it wasn't on there. I never sent you A&M and Bama. No. Okay. Does that mean we cross it off and we don't have to worry about it? Because no, I'm nervous. I, I mean, again. I don't – that's a lot of points, but at the same time – Bama's going to want to – even if Bryce doesn't play, Bama's – like Nick Saban's going to want to bury Jimbo Fisher at midfield. He will. Yes, I agree. Okay. But I don't I don't know if that offense has the weapons to be able to do that the whole time. Like that defense – again, A&M's defense is still legit. Okay. Perfect. I'm, it's fine. I, I thought we had discussed it initially, so that's why I wanted to – can I replace – can I ask you a quick question and replace it with a game? I just want to know what your feeling is that's not on the list. What's that? Florida State, North Carolina State. At, in Raleigh, minus three for the Wolfpack. I'm, t- I'm, I'm swallowing the points there. 
I don't know. That's what I would. As do. much as I, as much as I would, lo- I love what Florida State's been doing this year. No, I'm with you. How well they played. They're fucking banged NC up. NC State's shit. just a better team. Well, NC State's just a better team. Florida State's injured to shit too. Yeah. Okay. They took a. They, I mean, they they played Wake Forest tough last week, but you you can't ask a team to go back to back weeks like that against two really strong football teams. Yeah, they're just and like I said, they're so hurt right now. That's their biggest issue. They are. They're missing so many guys. The fact that the line was what it was last week, in all honesty, was pretty ridiculous. Um, anyone who jumped on Wake when the points was pretty smart. Um, all right, this one's <clears> – <throat> we were all over the place on this. We initially thought – so it's Texas minus seven against Oklahoma and Red River. We initially were like, this is automatic Oklahoma and the points. Like, why would we even consider it? And then it we <laughs> and then we were like, oh, wait a minute, Dylan, Dylan Gay. <laughs> We were like, oh, wait a minute. Dylan Gabriel's not playing. So we were like, eh, stay away. And then we found out Quinn Ewers was playing today. I don't know, man. This With all the moving parts, it's probably a stay away, right? Because anything can happen. Like It, it is. This is just a principal stay away. I think it is a stay away, but don't get me wrong. The moment Quinn Ewers was announced that he was starting this week, I kind of was like, you know what? That might not be a bad move swallowing seven. If it was like, oh, if it was like under, if it was under six, we would probably do it. If it was a four or five point spread, yeah, I'm in there. Yeah, because then it's like, can Oklahoma do enough on offense? Sark probably will take advantage of the fact that Oklahoma's defense is lost right now, and they just can't, like, they can't do anything. So yeah, all those things are intact. All right, we're gonna take. A quick break and come back to wrap up the college segment. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find Find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySakeQC at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar in Rock Island. It's the place to be every Sunday this football season. Barbecue Chris will be in the house every week smoking the place up with his amazing menu or mouth-watering barbecues. Cavies will have every game on inside and outside their numerous TV screens. Plus, you can play their adult video games, and they have the loosest slots around. Check out Kavanaugh's Hilltop Bar, 1228 30th Street in Rock Island. All right, we're back. So, Illinois and Iowa. Game is in Champaign. It is minus three and a half. Mac, I would love to. What's up? No, go. Go ahead. I would love to. You probably would. But it, I just it's so hard for me. I don't have the balls to do it. I don't have the balls to say to take them minus the points. Now, I just don't. I just don't. Because w- when have they ever proven this is a if they were playing fucking Minnesota, I'd be more confident. And swallowing points okay. in Iowa. My, it's my Iowa. They haven't is, beat Iowa in my, my question, life. My, okay, my question here for you is, 
Have we ever seen an Iowa team's offense this this horrid? Yeah, but okay. There's analytics I delve in on today. They're actually decent against man coverage. Illinois runs a lot of man coverage. Like there's some chances of Petrus getting like one cheap touchdown that he shouldn't get. Maybe Illinois. This is going to be a this is going to be a gross game. It, because it's going to be two. It's two really good defenses. The best unit, like so, Illinois' defense and Iowa's defense are one and two in whatever order. The third unit, that the third best unit in the game by far, is the Illinois offense. Before the Iowa offense, it's just. Can I wait? Hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Can I say the third best unit is the Iowa special teams? That's fair. I guess I was just doing offenses and defenses. <laughs> no, you're fair. You're you're not wrong. Their their special teams are really good. So, it's the question of, like, can Illinois not make a mistake? They, uh, their defense was advantageous against a quarterback that made makes mistakes last week in Graham Mertz, and it gave him opportunities, and uh, they were able to cash in. Chase Brown's been really good. If Chase Brown, all right. It, he it would he would have to have this moment like against Michigan, be, because of just the name and where it'll be at in the year. But what does the line have to be for Chase Brown on Saturday to actually get some like Heisman buzz? Because he should be, but no one's talking about it yet. But like if he gets twenty five for one eighty and a couple scores, it, we have to start. Like, if he carves Iowa up of all teams, we should start printing an invite to New York, right? So, I don't know if you'd be starting to print the invite or whatever, but He'll, at the same time, I think the Doak Walker at that point – or not the Doak. Doak Campbell, maybe. The running back award. I thought that was the Doak. Uh, yeah, sorry. It was the Doak, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doak Campbell is the Florida point. State Stadium. Yeah, Doak Walker then, yeah. So it is the uh, yeah he's the he has to be the favorite if he has like a day like that. Um, I don't know he he has a lot of yards. He doesn't have he doesn't. It, it looks like his stat line right now doesn't look like he finishes drives. Like he doesn't finish things because touchdown numbers are a little low. But overall, I mean, this dude's having a hell of a season already. Yeah, he's leading. And, he's leading the nation in rushing yards. But we've seen it the years past that the guys that lead the country in rushing just. They kind of get overlooked a little bit, too. I know. I just – it was going to be like a power four, a power five team that honestly – like if they get past this game, if they win Iowa, I think they could then even afford to lose to Minnesota and still win the West. So, like, if they win Saturday, I think that they are at least going to go eight and four or nine and three. Um, Because then they would have – they're either two losses to end the year if they beat Iowa – I think are either like Minnesota and Michigan or just one of them. And if they somehow won both, which I don't – I mean, I don't know if that's possible, but, it, you know, who fucking knows? We live in weird worlds. I'm just saying these are legitimate things. I don't think any other team that they'll play really matches up with them at all with how they play defense and their offense the way it, the way it navigates. But in a game like um. this – but I'm just saying that's why I feel like the Brown Heisman thing would be legit. Um, the reason I'm worried about all that is this is because Iowa's defense lives off you making mistakes, and I know they haven't done it yet this year. But 
is Illinois due for DeVito to goof a, to to sail some throws and just Iowa defenders be waiting? Like that's what I'm worried about. If it would if they were catching points, I'd be all over it. If they were if they were less than three, I would definitely I would still probably be into it. But over three, god damn, that's hard. Because seventeen to fourteen, you lose. Even if Illinois wins, if they won seventeen to fourteen, I'll be fucking thrilled. If they won seventeen, to, if they won two to zero, I'm throwing a party. But we wouldn't win the we wouldn't win the bet, Mac, and that is why three and a half to me scares me. I get it, I get it, but we also got to realize what kind of offense this Illinois team runs. Like, Devito is never going to be in a position where he's going to have to float a ball and like maybe airmail it on somebody that causes it like a pick or something. It's just this thing is going. No, like, no. They're going to run the ball ninety percent of the time. I'm not I saying mean, you're wrong. I'm just saying it's all the possibilities of that happening. And listen, man, that's why if there was a side I'm on. It's on Illinois. It's just three and a half. God, it's so many points in a game that is going to be as low. That's I think it's 36 and a half is the line is the number. And I think it's going to go under I think three and a half is a lot of points. All right. Are you on Purdue or Maryland? I'm on Purdue. Aiden O'Connell is, I think, the better quarterback of the two. Um, I think their offense is is starting to find their groove again. And I'm just going to say this. That loss to Penn State, if they would have actually came out and won that game late, this team looks at, it has a different perception to Purdue at that point. And I think people are just kind of writing them off right now because they have multiple losses. But this team's going to do damage in the West. All right. What if... What if I gave you stats to change your mind a little bit? Because the winning against Minnesota by 12, by 10, it looks cool. You're outplayed. Really bad. Um, Tanner Morgan shouldn't have had the two picks. One of them was deflected in the end zone, and the guy got it. And then the other one, again, was deflected, and they had that happen to him. But You're underselling I mean, that it. Show... You're underselling it. He threw three of them. He threw three picks. But okay. two of them were in the end zone, I'm saying. He was. So they drove down in the red zone and turned it over twice in the red zone. They somehow were outgained. I thought they outgained. They were somehow outgained. I thought they outgained Purdue. Well, that's what I heard today. Um... The turnovers, the fact that they were able to drive, and other than a couple of those late drives for Purdue, you know, the two drives or that drive in the fourth quarter that put them up thirteen to ten, and then so they had that they had the ball they got the ball late uh, off that punt and then they just gashed, and that that's what extended the lead. Other than that, yeah, it was a three point. It was a three point game. Most other than that, they're down ten three at half. They were down ten three. Now they jumped on them, but they're down or are they or they jumped on them ten nothing. But they're tight. Minnesota comes back to tie it in the third. They're right there, and then they capitalize on some turnovers, and they're able to chew some chew some clock. I I just feel like Maryland actually has the better offense and the better offensive system. And the better players. I think their receiving core is much better. 
I think Talia is much better than Aiden O'Connell. And I don't think they're going to force Talia to be a superhero like Purdue's offense forces to be forces Aiden O'Connell to be. He threw the ball 40 times in a game that only had 30 total points. They throw the ball too much. And I don't know, them going on the road, the reason that I would feel good about Maryland is I just think Maryland's better than Purdue. I don't know if Purdue would be able to hang with Michigan like Maryland did. And I don't know. Let me try to go here. I, I, okay, I don't know, dude. I think that's – I don't think that's fair to say. Um, Maryland got Michigan at the perfect moment to hang in like that. I mean, that was the first game J.J. McCarthy started. So you understood there was going to be a little bit of growing pains there. I think Maryland's the fourth best team in the East. That's what I feel. And I feel like could be the third because I think they could play with Penn State. Now you say Purdue did also. Who was Purdue's other loss? Um, let me look. Syracuse, that right, that catastrophe game. And that's it. And that Syracuse team's a good team. Yeah, they're solid. That game was just a catastrophe where Purdue kind of got hoed. But then they turned around and only beat Florida Atlantic by two. I don't know. That's that's one where I feel like I think Maryland's going to win. Though, so, you know, I feel like this game will either be like a Purdue win or like Maryland by double digits because I feel like they have the structure to 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 really control that game, but we'll see. Um and then this last one, Notre Dame and BYU. Where you, where you at on this? The game should be ugly. Um I do think the game being that it's three and a half points um, is just it's just low enough for me to be interested in Notre Dame. And we've seen BYU over the year so far. They are mad inconsistent, and when they are not gelling, they are looking terrible. So yeah, I, they're so hurt. Yeah, so I think Notre Dame and three and a half might be the play. Okay. We'll put that one. We'll put one check mark by this, and hold our nose, and we'll see. We'll see where we get at the NFL, which we'll get next. We're gonna have the NFL side uh, right after this. This episode is brought to you by the Corner Tap. Who doesn't need a solid handcuff on their fantasy squad? Grab a bite to eat at Clint's Draft House while watching the noon games, and then head on over across the Moline Rock Island border to the Corner Tap for some libations during the 3 o'clock games. Every Sunday is fun day at the Corner Tap with $3 Tall Boys, Bloody Marys, Jack Daniels, and $2 PBR Drafts. Head into the Corner Tap, 4018 14th Avenue, Rock Island, and get into the end zone. All right, NFL time. We've got nine more of these bad boys that we're going to churn out. We have at least two that are going to make the final cut. And we got, I would say, oh, I turned myself down. That was what it was. I was tripping. Uh, we've got at least a third that is, it's there. It's there. All right, let's start in the NFL. Let's agree on something, Mac. Uh, it is officially Fade Hallis Hall. I'm not even going to say their name because they don't deserve it. But we are taking the Vikings minus seven on Sunday. We'll take it. We would take it on a Monday. 
We would take it on. I'd take it any day. We would take it on Mars. We would take it played in the in my backyard. We would take it played on your backyard. We would take it played at Sobol because that's where that team from Illinois should play because they're not a professional football team. We are taking the Vikings minus seven a thousand times. Five star master lock blue chip whatever the fuck. Can't wait for this to lose because we're so confident on it. This could be minus seventeen and we'd think about it. We were taking the Vikings. Tell me why you agree. Yes. It's okay. I should, um, I should almost not allow you to call them. I am calling them the team that's the team, the non-professional football team from the state of Illinois. That's kind of what I'm calling them. Something along I those think lines. That's a, but I'm not I think honestly that that's fair. They don't deserve a name right now. Nope. And I think I would say the the Washington Commanders actually deserve their name now more than this team. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, this team, they have they have way too many issues. Um, quarterback is technically one of them, especially with how bad that offensive line has been for them. Mm-hmm. I think this Minnesota offense is very high powered when they don't play on Monday night against. It is not Chicago. Um, I think with Kirk Cousins, he's two and ten on Monday night, and two wins have been against Chicago. So. Either way, we're taking the points no matter what. So <laughs> That is correct. Now, the Vikings used to kind of be little brothered by these guys for a while, but that's that's not a thing anymore. Um, listen, that team from Illinois, it's a systematic thing, and until they prove otherwise, which, hey, maybe this could be the week they prove otherwise. Maybe. I don't know. But until then, we are fucking fading those punks. All day, every day, it's the team that I cheer for, and I hope they lose by more than seven because it's going to make me uh, make me happy that I predicted it right. But if they if they hang in and close and look good, that'll be good too. So I can't lose, right? I can't lose. I fade them and I'm smart, or every week, or I fade them and they look good and make me happy. Mac, it's like a coping mechanism. It's therapy, isn't it? For the fact that I cheer for a fucking terrible football team. Right? I right? mean. Right? I don't know. Right. Hey, all that matters is, hey, if, you're, if you cheer for a bad football team, you just know one thing in life, that you're a very loyal person. Yeah. So. Well, I cheer for fucking two of them. Now, granted, the other one's not, not bad. It's just they, they're so, no, really no, 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 dirty. No, 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 no. Yeah. So they're, the, the other one that you like, they're a very good football team. They're just. They're just awful in other places. They're so unethical. It's like <laughs> it's like marrying a porn star or something. Like, no, she's changed. She's changed, guys. She doesn't do that anymore. Jimmy Garoppolo style. Yeah. All right. Vikings minus seven until we die. No brainer. No brainer. No brainer. No brains at all. Not needed for this pick. They're optional. Um. Even it's not like the fact that it's like, is this this is the only game ever where seven is a good number in the NFL? I think they could have gone up to like twelve or thirteen, and I've been like, you nah, know what? They're not. Let's do it. Vikings. No, I'm just saying. No, the Vikings. Their their offense is good enough to do that to the Bears, and I think right. that's why my mind was like, you know what? I honestly would be, I would consider it at that point still. Jalen Johnson might not play. JJ's Justin Jefferson is gonna go nuts. Uh, all right, it's going to be Justin Jefferson on Kyler Gordon or Kendall Vildor for 60 minutes. 
Oh, boy, it's going to get gross. All right, next. We got to talk because I don't know, man. This one I feel so many different ways about. Giants and Packers in London. The Giants are catching eight. Mac, look this up. Is the number still at eight? Is it moved in one, any direction? Un momento. Un momento. If it's at eight and a half or more, we might have to take the Giants, man. I'm sorry. I I can't. with Okay. So my logic against the Giants, regardless of what happens of the line, mm-hmm. is right now Daniel Jones is a one-legged guy right now. Who already sucks. And I know. He's already bad, and now he doesn't have two mobile legs. And Tyrod Taylor died on Sunday. But I don't think it's like, bro, you're the backup. You need to get down. And he but just got fucking the problem, killed. Like, the problem is they have, you know, like a top three running back in the league, and it just kind of makes up for a lot of it. It might be tough and one. He's really good. <laughs> People forgot how good he was. He's so good. The Giants are actually fun to watch. I, I'm going to watch Saquon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay by what I said. He's a top three running back. But I know. the line has not moved. He's still, it's still eight points. I still don't think we could take it. Okay. I don't. No, I don't. So here's the thing. It's like it's the, the principle in a normal game. Like if they were playing. Oh, all right, here's a bad team that we actually that we're going to be. That I'm going to try to talk you into later. It's the Seahawks. If this was the Seahawks catching it against Green Bay, I'd be like, absolutely. Well, because yes, I would too. Because their offense is competent. Oh yeah. So here's the thing with the, yeah, like the Green Bay. As much as I do like them to an extent, they really can only win one way, and every week it's showing that. Um, they can either only win close games. Or they just take advantage of the fact that you're a team that has that has no. Hold on, I'm sending signals to Danny. Uh, they they either take advantage of the fact that you're just inept on offense, and the Giants are that to an extent. Not as bad as you know the team they played in Week Two. That's not a professional football team, but uh, I guess not schematically, but. Employment wise, they don't employ many guys that are good at offense. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. So, like, if Green Bay doesn't cover this, I'm we. I probably won't feel bad because it's like I'm. Sh- I, then I, I, in a way, I'd be shocked, especially if DJ is as hurt as. Well, Let me ask you this: If Tyrod was healthy, because that pity took last week was bad. Like, if if Tyrod finished the game last week. And because I don't think the line honestly moves much either way with Tyrod and Tyrod was starting for the Giants. Would we feel better about maybe taking them in the points? No, I don't think I would change my mind on it. Okay. I I don't okay, I don't think it's fair that we were saying like Daniel Jones is like awful because the dude, the dude's not bad. Yeah, he's not. When he has, like, when, okay, so like. When he has an offense, he's never had an offensive line that's been able to block for him. He does make NFL throws that a lot of other guys don't do in the league. He will, he's willing to take a hit and make the throw. Well, we've seen it all across the league. Guys don't do that. So, yeah. I, but listen, he bad decision maker. He's not the doesn't have the greatest and like most eye. He's not the, wait, he's not the greatest. He's not the greatest arm talent, but like he's he a does solid make athlete. Progressions very, he does make his progressions very quick. He's he his he's improving on his composure. Like the last couple weeks, 
that is what I've been impressed with is that he, he's getting through stuff quicker. Like he's making some strides, but he's still not. He's still one of the five worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Like that's without question. Can we agree that Baker Mayfield's the? Oh yeah, he's the worst right now. No, because it was. Me. Are you saying the guy? Yeah. Well, it, he's not the quarterback now. So yeah. So it's probably Kenny. Kenny hasn't started. So technically, the thirty-second well, worst quarterback in the league is kind of up for grabs. <laughs> Were you going to ask if it's it, the guy from the guy from the state of Illinois? Yeah. We don't say that yeah. that word either. Just so you know, it's been blacklisted. Because yeah. um, he hasn't been good this year either. No. But I would probably take him over Daniel Jones. I'm being I honest. Pro- I'd probably take Daniel Jones over him right now. Mm-hmm. I always I know what I'm going to get with Daniel Jones. Unlike him. Yeah, but at least there's a couple excuses I can make but for for. I can't. I can't guy. trust the guy. I can't trust the guy who has. He probably throws about third. Uh, I think like forty-two percent of like he completes forty-two percent of his passes. Not good. And he only throws sixteen a game. Look, yeah. I, I there's stuff that I'm not liking, but there's there's stuff I'm I'm there. Oh, wait, that and I'm, I, not I'm with you him. that there's a lot of things out there that like his intangibles are incredible. Like I think the moment he gets into a situation that benefit or that works for him, he will be a lot better than what he is. Yes. It's just he's not in a situation that benefits him. Nope, and he never will be because that team doesn't operate like a normal NFL team. So, yeah, no, he might be. He might be 31 just because of everything around him, and it's almost not his fault. Or he might be 30, and you might be right about Baker, though. Baker's been bad. Baker's been really bad. Okay, um, so, that, so, yeah, that's why we're staying. So, real quick, if the thing I was going to get to earlier, if the Giants do cover – we're going to have to have a lot of discussions on any on any lines where it's Green Bay against a team that's mediocre to bad, which is what the Giants are. I don't give a shit that they're three and one. Like watch football if you think the Giants. I'm just glad there's been no idiots that have been like, "Why aren't the Giants in your lead eight? Like, go fuck yourself, you morons. Because that would have happened if they were four and zero. If they would have beat Dallas, everyone in God would be asking me why they weren't in my lead eight. But thank thank the Cowboys, I guess. Um, but yeah. Anything above like four or five for Green Bay against a mediocre at best team, even or at least an average team that has a couple things you like. If the Giants cover this, we're gonna have to start having those conversations every week with Green Bay, because then that'll further prove yeah. the they can only win one way type of mantle. You know I, I, mean? I think it also it also it'll also make us reconsider how we view New York as well. Maybe. Think it would I be think. more. It depends, it depends on how the game is played. If they look like they are getting better each week, like they have been, then you're like, okay, well, this team might be. They're not like a good team, but yeah. they're a frisky team. Brian Dayball is making. Brian Dayball is turning chicken shit into chicken salad every week. Like he's so good. They absolutely nailed it with him. Easily the easily the best coaching hire of all of them, and I don't think it's close. Like at all. It's so fucking far and away the best coaching hire from the offseason. Well, okay, I lied. The, it, 
him and Dougie Peter, him and Doug Peterson are fucking bang neck and neck. I was, I, I was trying to remember who else was yeah, out there, but Doug Peterson's so, been incredible down there. Too. Yes, absolutely. So it's those two, and they're lapping the rest of the field. Um, all right, let's move on. Chargers at the Browns. I think we're on different sides on this because I don't know. All right, let me just ask you because you want you would want to take the Chargers, right? Correct. Is, I think is just, it only because of fading Jacoby Brissett? Because what did beating the Texans by ten make us feel any different about the Chargers? It, it, it's not that. I I think I, we're getting Justin Herbert more back to a healthy Justin Herbert, and the game he played last week, being injured, was incredible. And no, he was good. It. So I think the mo- like we're one week closer to him being a hundred percent. We'll probably see him at like 85, 90% this week. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably see. They'll probably still be able to do a lot of things that they did last week against Houston. And I think they'll be able to do a little bit more. And we, we see Austin Eckler finally emerging himself into this offense. And it's a, it's a sight for sore eyes because this has been a long time coming this year. Any, any indication on Miles Garrett? So I know Jadavion Clowney, they were missing another D lineman on Sat on Sunday. Both of those guys are gonna be back. I don't know about Miles Garrett, but man, that's a banged up offensive line for the Chargers. They still don't have weapons that are like viable. That's why it's like, why should we lay points on the road with LA? That's where I'm at. I don't think this is one we should put in, but that's why this is just me saying like I'm not trying to be like, oh Mac, you're dumb for saying the Chargers minus two and a half. Because I'd be with it because it's like Justin Herbert versus Kobe Brissett. But I feel like it's a basic – it's not a maybe even a square move to be like, oh, the Chargers only getting two and a half against Cleveland with Jacoby Brissett. It's, I think, it's kind of a be careful. You take that and then James so, and Clowney and Miles Garrett, if he plays, they have eight sacks because they can't we remember block. This. We have to remember this. What we've always said about the L.A. Chargers, even, even with injuries right now, this team, one to twenty-two, is still going to be better than whatever team rolls out. Yeah, the but so many of those been, guys the, are the hurt. problem. The problem's always been is the depth, but I think offensively there's enough firepower there still that they still can be able to do win by more than two and a half. I mean, I don't know what else you can say. I mean, this offense is still very good. This Browns offense. They have to run the football, and I think if the Chargers' defense starts loading the box on Hunt and uh, Chubb, then this could be a long afternoon for Cleveland. It could be. Gosh, man, they another game that they just fucking pissed on themselves. Their red zone in on Sunday was just so bad. They had no business. Like, I'm not mad that we lost that Browns bet. But, man, I'm mad as someone who wants the Browns to do good because I like them. I like what they've done. I like I love their aggressiveness. I'm a Deshaun Watson fan as a football player, okay? For those that just cringed listening, I mean, your opinions to me almost mean nothing. But, listen, man, like... Again, another game where they should have won. It's going to bite them in the nuts. All right. Detroit at New England. And Detroit's getting three and a half. I put minus on here like a knob. Detroit's getting three and a half. 
Can I state my case on why we shouldn't touch this? Because I want okay, to. I just say, look, I, okay, this is me not even being like, I, I'm not even putting this in the mindset of being a Lions fan. I just think you're giving them that many points against the team that they are offensively, they're going to be way better than New England. And I don't think their defense, New England's defense is that good. So. Are we sure? They're de- they're not their defense isn't great, but their defense is is solid. But now again, the Lions' offense. But is okay, amazing. but I'm all, I'm also saying that like this this Detroit team has also taken it to offensively has taken it to Philadelphia. They have taken it to Seattle, which again we can talk about Seattle all we want. They've they've actually taken it to Minnesota, you know, and then they 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 were phenomenal against Washington. So like this team is off like offensively, I think they are probably. One of the better teams in the league right now, given they are the number one scoring offense in the league. Yeah, but they're the um, worst. They have Mac. They have the worst defense in the sport. That's that's my that's my concern. But I don't think okay. We're also looking at a team in New England that isn't competent offensively right now because one, Mac Jones is still hurt. Uh, Hoyer is more than likely not playing this week, so they're going to play Bailey Zappi again. Yeah, and but he's probably going to throw. The, he's probably going to throw the ball less than fifteen times. I so, wouldn't say that. He threw like fifteen times in three quarters on Sunday. In you know how many yards he threw? Threw ninety nine. Yeah, so I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm, I'm saying I don't expect much. I don't expect from much. Of I know so that's why I think, and no, that's I why I think it. the point. And that's why I think the points are there, and I think that's why it's a smart bet. I would love to do it, but let's okay, Mac. I'm gonna ask you these questions. Where were all four of the first? Where were all four of the Lions games played to start the season? They were not all at home. Don't even say they were all at home because they I'm were not. not. I'm not. What's the commonality in all four games? There's a theme. What is it? They played. Well, they played three in Detroit right now. Correct. Where was the fourth game? One. Minnesota. Correct. All right. What What is Detroit's home field and Minnesota's really? field? Field. They're in. They're inside. They but are what's indoors. The difference. You're playing. You're playing a freaking game in October. It's not like we're playing in December or January. That's why I looked at the weather. It is clear. So that does bro- break. Put a break in my argument. It's going to be in the 60s. So it's not <laughs> terrible. All right, here's where it gets down to, like, the this is a scary situation type of moment. The coach, as much as we love Dan Campbell, look, it's still Bill Belichick, and he coached his ass off. Like, I know we it's fun to make fun of them, but they coached their ass off all game long on uh, – on sat on a on Sunday against the Packers, and I think they're going to do enough. Like you don't think they're going to come in there with stuff to take advantage so, okay, of the but, defense. My, my point, my point here is being that like you really think New England's going to beat them? It's not out of the realm of possibility. What because has Detroit we, done I, to show that we can trust them? All right, what has Detroit done to show that we can trust them to even win a close game when built the. Bill Belichick's on the other side with the Lions. Look, as much, I don't fault them for the way they lost the Vikings game, but they were still up 10 with five minutes left. And they just gave up 48 to Geno Smith. So my point here is 
we're talking about two offenses between Detroit and New England. Do you really think New England's going to be able to go out there and score 30-some-odd points? No. If you think there's the, no chance. If you think Detroit's going to score 30 if all right. You really think they wouldn't? Because every game so far, they've been over 25. So. Okay. The, we might end up putting this one in with Detroit taking the points just to see if we can – we're going to see if we can prove this is going to be the no, I will I will I will always say I will I will always agree with you with this defense because this defense the Detroit is atrocious. They they are. I think Glenn needs to figure his shit out or he we need to find a new DC. But Ben Johnson on the offensive side of the ball is has been really freaking good. Yeah, no, they're creative. Look, I uh, it's the Seahawks. I don't like people. People. I don't care that it was the Seahawks. They went in without their number one running back, their number one receiver, and weren't they missing somebody else on offense too? So they were. So they were missing Swift, Brown, Shark, Chark. Yeah, Chark. So their number two or three receiver, probably their third right now, and they scored forty five. Like that's impressive. I'm just saying, on the road. Their first game not indoors in New England with that coaching staff. I think if you're just thinking it's a layup, they're going to score 30, 30 again, I think you'll be sadly mistaken. Like, that's – am I – like, so even if it's not that, am I willing to possibly take a chance on Detroit plus three and a half? Because if my, it, Because it my, could be a lower scoring game. Like, this game could be – My logic is that I, if New England wins this game, it's going to be by three. That's where I will be like, okay, because if it's a 17 to 14, you're in the number. 24 to 21, you're within the number. 27, 24. But so that's where if the if you're, benefits. But, but I'm but just, I think if you're trying to sell me a thing saying that this New England team is going to win by four to seven points, I just can't see it. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to because that offense doesn't doesn't do enough for them to do that. Okay, I just wanted to also, okay, here's the thing, man. This is going to be a case for why we're probably going to stay away from the last game we talk about. Because I think I know what side you'll be on, I think, maybe. I don't know, we'll see. But this is just the thing. At home, and it's why you got burned last week, with the Niners-Rams, desperate team at home. If New England loses this game, their season's pretty much over. And you don't think Detroit's desperate? I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying I think, I don't know, like it's just d goals you cite. But no, you're right, Detroit, you make a great point. Detroit's season pretty much is on the line as well. You make a fan, that's a great, that's a great counterargument. I didn't expect you to have that in your bag. All right, we'll put a check mark next to it. Just in case, we'll take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill in Moline and Davenport. Chase away your Sunday scaries at Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill this season. Located in the Belgium neighborhood of 7th Street in Moline, Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill is home to some of the Quad City's best food and drink specials. On Sunday, there's no better place to be. Clint's is serving up 75-cent wings and $4 Bloody Marys all day. And is your favorite team playing in those out-of-market games? 
Well, you'll never miss a second of the action on one of their 10 screens with NFL Sunday Ticket. And after you've had your wing and bloody fix, finish off your football watching experience with one of their famous Quad City style pot pizzas. And folks, they know pizza. They've been spinning QC style pies for the last 22 years. So make Clint's part of your Sunday football routine. Clint's Draft House, Pizza and Grill, 7th Street in Moline. And also, Clint is now serving up their famous pizza and fried chicken on the Iowa side of the river as well. Clint's Pizza House and Chicken opens up daily at 4 p.m. so everyone in the Quad Cities can enjoy their QC-style pizza and Henny Penny Fried Chicken. That's Clint Pizza House and Chicken, 7th Street Moline, and 1601 West 3rd Street in Davenport. All right, well, we just saw one version of an opinion change. Let's see if we can do it again. Seattle at New Orleans plus five. I think the line still is. Let me double check. Last I checked, well, it was at five and a half, which wish we were getting that. The line here, the move is Seattle plus the points. It is not anything to the contrary. Where are we at? Where are we at? Oh, yeah, we're back. It is at five and a half, Mac Fulton. Okay. The hook is nice. Doesn't cross a number, but it's nice. Okay. Let me state my case. Do I believe Seattle is good? Eh, not really. Do I believe that this is a feisty potential playoff team? Eh, not really. But what has New Orleans proven in any game to show that they are worthy of being five-and-a-half-point favorites at home against anybody. I don't think this team's defense is good. I don't think their offense really has much, and they're either going to be turnover-prone with Jameis Winston playing or they're going to have you know limitations with Andy Dalton playing. Their running game has been nothing all year. Alvin Kamara in the games he's played hasn't done anything. And I just don't think, like, even if New Orleans wins. So this is where you would think, right, Mac? The principle of New Orleans, they're what, what they're one and three. NFC, you need to win, win games you can because it, it's not going to take too many to make the playoffs. This is one you desperately have to win. Well, guess what, Mac? If New Orleans wins 27-24, we win because we're in within five and a half. Even the desperation principle doesn't come into fruition here because it's so many points. And again, I don't think there's any team in the league that New Orleans should be favored. Dennis Allen and either Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton as the quarterback-coach combination shouldn't be five-and-a-half-point favorites right now against anyone in the league. That's including even probably the team that plays here in the state of Illinois that's probably right now the worst team in the league. So, yeah, even them. So, all of those things, the desperation thing not mattering because it's too many points, the team in general, I feel like five and a half is too many points here for Seattle. Listen, we could be on this, and they could burn us. They could blow They could blow us to smithereens, Mac. We could be caught with our dick in our hand, and not only our dick in our hand, but it's next to an M40, and our nuts are blown off. That could happen, but I feel really good after getting some good tips about it 
and the more and more I thought about it, three days ago where I said, oh, that one's a stay away, I feel I don't know if I feel more confident about one than this. I really don't, other than the Vikings game. Your thoughts. Did I sell you? Are so, you buying the car that I'm this used car that I'm selling you? So I would I would have said I was hesitant probably back on Monday when we were first talking about this. Because we were both like, uh, stay away. We were both like, ah, I don't think about, I don't know. I thought, I thought, the first thing I said to you was five and a half was a lot of points. Yeah. Even though I do think Seattle could keep it close or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, at that point, the more I've started to look into this game and like just realize what's going on, I mean, Geno Smith might not be you know, a top tier quarterback, but the dude's playing like one in the first couple weeks. Like they've done enough. Line, he's done enough. And he is, yep. he is top five in touchdowns this year. So he's doing enough to get this team in the positions to win. Um, I think we have seen it so far. They've beaten, I wouldn't say great teams, but they've beaten pretty good teams. Like Denver was a good win for Seattle. Um, and Denver, uh-huh. and then I mean, beating Detroit like that at, on the road was a good win. And they're in a position right now that they're playing for way more than what New Orleans is even playing for. So I think the desperation thing's kind of on the other hand, and I think this game means more for Seattle than it does New Orleans at the moment. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, three and two. I mean, they're tied for the NFC West lead, man. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they're tied for the division lead, <laughs> and they're not great. <laughs> so like. No, the, the the desperation thing is like New Orleans. If you if you go to one and four, you're not as fucked as a team like the Patriots because you're in the NFC. And eight and nine as a, eight and nine might be the seventh seed this year. Right now, we don't know. But um, even if the Saints win, like I said, twenty four to twenty, even you're in the number, bud. Five and a half is too many. I think this is one we're gonna roll on now. This is one I'm pretty sure we're on opposite sides on. Houston plus seven in Jacksonville. I want to say yes to Jacksonville, but it's still like, oh, a touchdown. Oh, my God. You're the Jags. You know what I mean? So it's like a – it's like a, I love you, but I'm definitely – like it's like a we we're getting a prenup. Like you might cheat so, on me tomorrow. Hold on. What you're saying is you loved them for one week, and you're like, yeah, I'm good. No, I loved them catching points. <laughs> No, no, what I'm saying is you, you you loved Jacksonville enough last week to put them in your elite eight. Oh, I still think they're at worst right now, like 12th so after like, the loss. You, but you, you don't love them enough to go in and beat, them, beat uh, Houston, right? No. Right, touchdown. No, here's the oh, thing. Sorry. I think they'll win. It's just seven points is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of points. Every NFL game is close. Now watch Sunday. The the one week I put that on record, every game's going to be a blowout next week when none of that happens. But, you know, what the fuck do I know? Uh, that's just my theory. But yes, I'm I'm with you though. It's five and a half too much. Uh, sorry, oh, seven. Yeah. I'm talking about the other game, sorry. Uh, this game I You're with me. Jags. I thought you were on no, the Jags. No, no. No, I'm still with the Jags. I thought we were still on the other game for a second. My uh, my had a mental lapse there. I think they've been better than, you know, what we give them credit for in this year. And, I mean, they were in a position a couple of weeks ago that they should have beat Philadelphia. And this was a couple, la- mistakes. couple weeks yeah. ago. This was five days ago, Mac. I know. It feels a lot longer. But um, they were in a position where you, where you thought, like, if they just didn't give the ball away and, you know, Trevor kept the ball, didn't fumble as much as he did, 
they would have probably been in a better position, and we would probably have a different conversation this week. Well, if they had won, uh, they'd probably if they would have won that game, they'd probably be like nine point favorites, and then we'd be like, wait a minute, holy shit. That's what I'm saying. I think I think we would have a different <laughs> conversation, but I think seven against Houston is more along the lines like, okay, do you, you really not think this team can beat Houston by seven? It's the um, NFL, man. I, I do. It is the I NFL. Do. It's the NFL. That's the problem. It's the NFL. It's like it's the principle of has Jacksonville. Tr- can we trust Jacksonville enough to lay seven? Again, in the NFL, it's different than college. In the NFL, numbers are important. I'm not some pro gambler here, but I know enough to know how important numbers are, okay? Like, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying for people that are out there like, what does this guy think he is? I'm just being real. If this was at, even at six, I'd be like, yeah, we got a conversation. We can think about it. But at seven, stay away. Or it's either Houston or stay away, I think. All right, here's one where you might have we we got to talk each other out of. I think I don't know. I don't know where you're at. Dallas plus five and a half at L.A. Dallas is the right side, but yesterday I saw someone talking about how this is going to be the best team Dallas has faced. Um, which I don't even know if I believe that right now. The Rams are really in need of like a big umph game. It's like, is, is Cooper Rush due for a relapse type of game? Regression game, I should say. I don't know, man. The more I hear people possibly talking about it, like some people I hear talk about it, and I'm like, yes, Dallas plus five and a half. This is, a, this is automatic. And then I hear some people talk back to Rams, and I got scared. So I don't know. Where are you at? Are you... Like, initially, this was at, like, six before Monday night, and it was like, oh, God, this is so many, this is so much candy. I love candy. Give me all the free candy. And now it's like, are we sure? Should we, should we, should we take the candy? Or is, like, the back of this van going to be, like, the Black Phone movie, and we're going to be stuck in a basement for a month trying to get out? Did I get dark there? Was that too dark? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, five and a half is... I thought you'd appreciate that. It's tough. Uh, five and a half is tough. Um, this is going to fall back to what we've been you, – like your major concern always with college games. Like This does kind of leave like a back door open for these guys to cover. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, my so, side is Dallas. I'm on Dallas' side. No, no. I'm saying like if I wanted to take L.A. here, I think that's why I'm a little concerned on that side. Matthew Stafford hasn't been awful, but he hasn't been great this year. Um. No, a lot of it is their offensive line is destroyed. And that's another thing, yeah. too. It's like their offensive line is hurt. Even healthy, it could be bad. And the D-line for Dallas is good. Plus, Micah Parsons is amazing. This could be a game where Micah Parsons just says, hey, guys, I should be the MVP. You know, I don't care about anything else. Don't get me wrong. Like, L.A. still – you see it. You still see the flashes that L.A. can bring you. Mm-hmm. It's just – it's not like – it's not consistent like it was last year. And I think last year when we watched this L.A. team, yes, they had a lot more pieces that aren't there anymore. But, like, you knew from essentially week one that this team was going to be dangerous. This year, I don't really see it to that extent. I think they can they can play around and get into the Super Bowl. Like, not to the Super Bowl, to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're not – I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to eat crow probably on that and say they, they might not even win the division this year. So I wouldn't pick them right now. I wouldn't. I think San Francisco. I trust so much more about them than the Rams right now. 
And that's my concern. Like, yeah, I picked LA preseason to be the team that like, hey, these guys are still, you know, they're still the top, but at the same time, here they are, uh-huh. and they're kind of pedestrian at, mo- at moments. But all that being said, Stafford and Cup is buddy buddy ball still is really strong. It is. It is so, wild how like everyone knows that's coming, <laughs> and he still gets 15 catches a game. Are you willing? Should we be willing? Are we willing enough though to both together? Hand in hand, jump into this vat of acid that is Dallas five and a half. Catch yes. it five and a half. Okay, because I think we might end up with four NFL games and two college, and I just wanted to make sure that that is one that 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 one is probably going to be on the cut line here. All right, these next two are pro- are pretty much stayaways. I want to get through them real quickly though. First is San Francisco minus six and a half at Carolina. Now, I you're San Francisco six and a half, right? Yes. You lay them all. Here's, I'm with you on fading Carolina, but I think, can we have a handshake agreement? Let me quickly pull up their schedule. So you want to know why I think San Francisco taking, eating the points here is the right move? Even on the road. Why? Short week on on the the road. road. Why? So we're talking about a team that since Jimmy Garoppolo has taken over, they are not their offense is not coming at a hundred percent because again, Jimmy Garoppolo, when he was with the team, even going through the preseason, he was still practicing on his own on a different field. Oh yeah, so no, like this, I agree. So I think like he's only he's only three this is his third week with the offense, and they're only gonna get better. No, I agree. I agree. Oh, baby. Okay. Here's why we shouldn't and I'm okay if we're a week late on this. Let's have a handshake agreement. That if if Carolina loses by if if San Francisco covers, just because I think we feel way stronger about these other games than this one, we have a handshake agreement that even if San Francisco covers the six and a half, or that if they cover the six and a half, after this week we can together fade the Panthers until either Matt Rule is fired or until they prove us differently, or if the line is just ridiculous. You know what I mean? Because their yeah. schedule after this is at the Rams, Bucks at home, at Atlanta, who's frisky and undefeated against the spread right now, in in Cincy, Falcons at home, at Baltimore, Broncos at home. Like that's their next like month and a half after this game. So it will be fade the Panthers until the wheel until the cows come home. I'm just not I'm willing to be a week late on this. Right, you know what I mean? Because I'm willing to wait until maybe the market, like if the if the Niners go into Carolina and cover, I think then the market will officially be caught up to the Panthers being shitty. Um, but I think we can should I think we should handshake agree on this and just stay away for now, just in case, you know, they have some saving grace game and or Jimmy G just goofs, which who knows, both are possible, but I doubt it and we'll start fading the Panthers possibly next week. Like, every week at least the Panthers will be on the short list because we might fade them. How's that sound? I think it's fair. Okay. So, all right. And then the last, Vegas at Kansas City. Now, are you Vegas in the points or Chiefs in the points? Minus the points. Chiefs, I'm eating the points in the Chiefs. Okay, so I, so I would be with you here, actually. Like, we would be on the same side. I thought you were going to be Vegas. It's just... I told you. I know. I just forgot. I just feel like... 
I think Vegas is better than what they've shown. The the one thing that scares me is like, but Kansas City's owned them. So that's okay. My, that's why it's like a stay away. Like, it's like a stay away. I like to add that like this team, we were concerned about Kansas City going into the season. Getting rid of Tyree Kill, and we thought this offense might not be to the level that they used to be. Mm-hmm. This team is still clipping off of what they did last season. No, they were great. And they're they're playing, playing great. And they're doing it and they're doing it in different ways. But the biggest thing that I think we can talk about this team is that the defensive side of the ball, they retooled it and it looks a lot better. No, it's been better. There's a lot of stuff about this team that I still have There's question still marks about. But I but There's, I do think right now they're the best team in the league. And Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league until proven otherwise. As much as I would love to be on the Chiefs with you here, the only because it's like it checks boxes. It's like they're at home against a team they've dominated. It's just like if this was at five and a half, if this was anything under six, we would be blastoid. We'd be blasting off to the moon together, baby. But because it's all the way to seven. And even though it's the Raiders, the Raiders, I think, are better than one and three. They should be at least two and two, but they fucked that Cardinals game up so bad. Like, the plus seven, it's just a lot. It's a lot to swallow. That's why I'm, you know, uh, that's why I'm, like, kind of. You know you, know you want to do it, though, because. Again, you you literally buried the hook, and then you started saying why you didn't want to. Like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in he the is. league. Like you but can't more... against Patrick Mahomes. He is, but at the end of the day, I think we have six games that we're both more confident on together. Like this might be seventh or eighth, but I think but there's I think six there's... games we'd rather put on here. It's not they. There's nothing wrong with being the first loser, Mac. Even though if you went first, you last, huh? But sometimes there is. But yeah, I I do which I I understand your concerns with this game. Okay. Because like this offense on uh, not, yeah, not Oakland Vegas uh, <laughs> should have insert dollar here. Yeah, I will. I'm always saying that stuff. I know. But, but I just think, uh, again, I just think there's three. There's six games. Not that one. Three. One, two. Oh, three, four, five. Yeah, there's six games that we feel better about than this one. This would probably be seventh because I think I, I even I think it's going to be four to two NFL and I think we like this one probably better than that BYU ND game but it doesn't top like if six is either if six is either Dallas or Detroit I'd much rather take Detroit in the points or Dallas in the points than than the than the than swallowing seven with the Chiefs in a divisional game is that okay is that acceptable. Yeah, again, I understand why you're concerned. I understand why you're concerned. But I think if I was throwing money out there in this game and I'm betting on it. No, that's fair. I'm I'm taking the point. I'm swallowing the points because I know what Kansas City can do. Probably with you. I in my in my mind if I was doing it, I would wait like hell until Monday, hope that the line drops under 7 and then finally take the Chiefs. Or I'd put it in some gnarly teaser with like them in Jacksonville. Where you can get like five points or something like that. You so. bet it. No, them in Jacksonville, both them in Jacksonville and Green Bay, you do a seven-point tease where Kansas City, Jacksonville both just have to win. And then the – ooh, you do a four-team. Jacksonville, KC, Minnesota, Green Bay. You tease all – you tease you – tease yeah, You're essentially playing money line at yeah, that point. Yeah, you tease, the, you tease the Vikings, Jags, and Chiefs to an even, to a pick em, and then you tease the – 
Packers to minus one. That's a pretty good damn. That's a pretty good teaser. That's a free. That's a free exotic we just gave you. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, it'll be just me, and we will have the sinister six picks. I think you know them by now, but we will have them in full next. With baseball playoffs right around the corner, over a month away, and the NFL and college football seasons right on our tail. It's the perfect time of year to get your daily fantasy sports life in order. For Frequency Sake has you covered every single week. Tune in to For Frequency Sake's DFS Deep Dive on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch every Friday evening and uploaded every Saturday morning on your favorite podcast platform where Brian and the boys will be giving you the best daily fantasy sports advice for each and every week to help you fatten your wallet this season. Again, on every Friday night live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch, and of course, uploaded on your favorite podcast platform on Saturday mornings, DFS advice, DFS deep dive here on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. In addition to bringing fire on the mic, the team at Four Frequency Sake is still bringing it online as well. Check out 4FantasySakeQC.com this season for college DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each and every week of this football season. Again, that is 4FantasySakeQC.com for college DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each week during the football season. All right, you've waited for an hour, 40 minutes plus for this. This is the Sinister Six picks. We're going to start out in the Palouse, Washington State, Apple Country. We're getting a lot of candy, and we are going to take the home dog to cover, 13.5 against USC. We understand the, the risks in this game that Washington State could make mistakes, and that leaves us to potential tragedy. But I think that this, we feel good about this. We feel really good. Washington State is a team that's feisty. They have a really good offense, and they have a team that could put up points, even though even if the line is in the 20s at the time, like if the spread is in the 20s, there's the 13-and-a-half Huge back door to come through. So Washington State getting some candy, 13 in the hook. Big for us. Now we go down south to Miami, Florida. And we are going to take, for the first time this season, Tarhelia, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Plus three and a half on the road. Drake May and this offense, we expect to do some damage against the Miami defense that got gashed a couple weeks ago by Middle Tennessee State. There was a point in that game where Middle Tennessee State had six touchdowns and five first downs. And people are telling me Miami should win by four or more. I don't think so. Heels plus three and a half in South Florida. And then we go to Minnesota where a professional football team that's not a professional football team, but they reside in the state of Illinois. They are going to Minnesota and they are catching seven. It is fade that team season. We bet against High school football teams that play in the NFL, and we are riding with the Vikings against a team that will not be named. Vikings minus seven all day long against that football team. Now we move to Foxborough, where could get dicey, 
but we're going to back the fact that Dan Campbell's going to bite some kneecaps in New England. Hopefully Bill Belichick doesn't shoot them in the head and the Lions can keep it within four. We need him to stay at three under four. We need it to stay plus three and a half for the Lions. Do or die week for the Patriots makes this a little feisty, but you could also say the same for the Lions. Mac made a great point. We're going to throw the Lions in here, plus three and a half. And now this is where we get juicy. The best part about gambling is that we get to bet on the sloppiest of games, games we wouldn't normally watch whatsoever. But we got juice here, baby. The Seattle frickin' Seahawks, we're putting money on Geno Smith. It's scary, but it's worth it because we get to fade Dennis Allen and either Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston, and at the end of the day, that makes us feel good. On the road, in NOLA, who cares about beads? Who cares about Mardi Gras? It's probably not even Mardi Gras season, but I just like saying who cares about it. The Seahawks are going to go eat a whole lot of gumbo, and they're catching five in the hook. The Saints don't deserve to be five-and-a-half-point favorites against anybody. They probably wouldn't even be five-and-a-half-point favorites against the 2019 LSU Tigers with Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in them. We don't think the Saints team is really good, but the Seahawks plus five-and-a-half, we love it, and we are going to roll with it all day. And last, this one's a little bit of a hold-on-to-your-butts kind of situation because you think you're betting the right side, but this could be a game where you automatically know from kickoff that this just doesn't have a chance. Cowboys plus five and a half. Cooper Rush, we have faith in you. Don't let us down. Please, Cooper. We beg you. Do it for us. The Sinister Six needs you. Cowboys plus five and a half in the big Wi-Fi modem. SoFi Stadium. So, the Sinister Six to college for four NFL we're, we're going to take Wazoo on the Palouse, plus 13.5 against SC. North Carolina, plus 3.5 in Miami. The Vikings catching, or the, Vi- the Vikings, minus 7 at home against that team from Illinois. Lions getting 3.5 in New England. Seahawks getting 5.5 in New Orleans. And the Cowboys getting 5.5 in Los Angeles. And that is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, gamble responsibly. Right.